Hello and welcome back to the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I am your host, Nick Parker, and with me yet again, the Jason Norberry. You cannot get away from me. <laughs> Look, I have tried over the course of the past five years to get away from you. I keep showing up, sitting on your porch, holding a, a, a boombox over my head. That's an old man's <laughs> reference. Uh, playing songs to get you to come and podcast with me. And it keeps working. So, And, you know, you keep, you keep bringing us back to election season, which is why we are back here again for an episode, another Friday, a special Friday episode. I feel like it's a very episode of Blossom. There you go. Another age <laughs> reference for us. <laughs> we are ready for the next round of our candidate conversations. We're going to be talking about Dis City Council District 3. Joining us tonight will be Beto Lopez. The other candidate, Ted Deal, has not yet responded to any of our attempts to, to invite him to participate in our candidate surveys or in our candidate conversations on this podcast. But I'm going to bring on the incumbent, Beto Lopez, now, and we'll get our conversation started. Beto, welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Nice to be here. Good to see you. I'm glad Likewise. to have you. And thank you for coming on to uh, participate and show up for our candidate forum. We do appreciate it. So, Beto, um, since it's just you, we don't have to go through the rules about bouncing back and forth. And uh, same question, different questions, because all the questions for you will be the exact questions that you get. Uh, and that will work out very well. Uh, but so we're just going to we're going to jump right in. Um, and start with this. So you have, or just about to complete your first four-year term as a city council person. Um, what, thinking about what you have accomplished, and then thinking about perhaps being reelected and moving forward, what do you want to have? A, what, I guess I'll say this: What do you think you've the biggest thing you've accomplished so far, and what do you want to accomplish or have look back and say you have accomplished if you are reelected? No, uh, good question. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, here we are four, almost four years later. Um, you know, Jason, you and I served on the planning commission for almost four years together. That does um, not get of, you any easier questions, by the way. No, I, I, I get it. And, and you were the chairman and you didn't make it easy then either. So that's OK. Um, but uh, it's just hard to believe that four years have gone by so fast. And, uh, you know, I came into this uh, council environment four years ago thinking that I brought a skill set that uh, could make a difference, um, especially at that time uh, of the council environment. And, uh, and, and four years later, to answer your question, absolutely. I feel like uh, my role the last four years uh, has had an impact, a positive impact within that body of council, along with the mayor. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think some of the initiatives that I was directly involved with, uh, we hit head on things that had been stalled for several years like our uh, uh, employment uh, contracts, uh, both with our, our union uh, staff, uh, but then all, all of our staff um, within the city, uh, we were able to get increases for salaries, uh, again, that had been stalled for several years. And that's one that we hit, that I, I along with others, uh, took on head on, and I was a big champion for. Uh, we got that done quick. And then, you know, the downtown uh, marketplace uh, is another big one that I've had a lot to do with as well. And so, Feel really good about those initiatives. Good. Okay. Well, I do actually. You raised the question that I hadn't even thought about asking, but like you came on the council and were immediately appointed mayor pro tem, uh, which is, I think, probably a, a, an unusual occurrence for a brand new city council person to to have that sort of second in command, vice chair of the the thing position. How does that? 
impacted your i mean so you you were kind of thrown into the deep end i mean even deeper than i think city council people typically get thrown how did that impact your like your learning or in your process as you were as you were going through that well there's definitely a learning curve uh no doubt about that um like i said early on from the outset of this uh conversation um i think having had been on a body like the planning commission i think uh took some of the starstruck experience out of it. Uh, I understood the basic Roberts rule of order process. Um, and so understanding the procedures and process and how to set policies is something that, that uh, I kind of somewhat hit the ground running with. Um, however, yes, the role of mayor pro tem uh, comes with extra added responsibilities. And, you know, it, it was just a trust. It was kind of a trust, trusting kind of relationship from the very onset with, with Mayor Baird. He and I did not know each other prior to, to four years ago. And as we went along with the campaign season, and uh, I guess some of the incumbent council representatives uh, had lobbied uh, for him. At that time, our charter had changed where the mayor um, had the opportunity to appoint the the multiple council, sitting council representatives, uh, a mayor pro tem. And so uh, as he interviewed different people and certain people truly lobbied for it, um, I, I truly didn't even know what the role was. That's, that's the sincere truth. Um, and, uh, when, when we first met, he came, he came to over to my house when the first few times we met formally. And, uh, he, he just realized that I had a certain, uh, demeanor, uh, and, and personality that, uh, at time, uh, you know, the council was somewhat, uh, dysfunctional, uh, just simple, not getting along, uh, kind of, of an environment. Um, and so that was very evident in the public and some, in some cases, even through the media. Uh, but, uh, the mayor had confidence and trusted me that I could come in and maybe help uh, build better relationships. And it started with trust and respect, transparency. And, and I took on that role head on. And I think it's it's pretty unique that a, a sitting council representative has been selected four times, four consecutive times as mayor pro tem. And, and, and I've done it with, with honor and, and uh, very humble. I'm going to move on to, to our next, our next topic. And I, and, this kind of fits actually a little bit because another, I think, unique thing uh, as you were first elected was you came right on the heels of a very public negotiation with our, our union unions there at city with the fire, the police and, and the public works uh, department there in those unions. And on the heels of all of those negotiations that, that came and then the, the, the raises that came with those and then even decisions that have been made and agreements reached, since then, we're now at a point where the, the council body has put a tax issue on our ballot, and largely the council has said the intent of that is to make go toward the public safety employees there with the city. So can you tell me a little bit about what led the council body to, to deciding to put this issue on the ballot, and then, and then what's your support or lack of support for it? Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I think that to answer that question, you, you have to kind of dive back four to four years ago. As I indicated a few minutes ago, you know, previous councils had stalled in in, uh, in getting some kind of, of a labor agreement put together with, with our uh, uh, organized labor and, and, and other city staff. And we, we, you know, as the two new representatives, the mayor and I and, and a few other council people uh, were just adamant that we were going to address that head on. And we did within the first 12 months of being as a new council. 
Um, so here we are four years later, each, each of those four years, we are very responsible of how, uh, you know, financial models that, that we, we uh, reviewed and studied and ultimately implemented to get these raises in place. And so here we are, and as, as much as we try to massage our budget and, you know, each of the four years we've had balanced budgets, our reserve balance continues to grow and, and slightly and stay steady, uh, even in the midst of, of what we just experienced with this pandemic. Um, so what we realized was that we just simply cannot compete with the surrounding communities around us, other jurisdictions that are, are paying, uh, you know, higher wages for their first responders. Um, and I want to jump in yeah. just a little bit, and I'm sure. sorry to interrupt, but I want to jump in a little bit there. Jason and I love to talk about process and, and roles of the elected officials versus the staff and all of that. And, I, and I'm curious because I think one of the things that, that Jason and I, in, in, in our analysis, as we, as we watched that last big uh, negotiation with the council, I think talked about the role of the council in negotiations. So what do you think... I mean, is it really your role to be a part of of negotiations with those, or should that be more of of the the city administrator and, and staff? How does that balance out? What are the different roles? Well, there? I mean, I, I think I think uh, to do it the correct way uh, for our charter, it, it has to be staff that physically negotiates with with our our employees, or especially our organized employees. Um, so we've been very respectful of that process and done anything, everything very transparent with the high level of transparency. Um, however, I mean, if we as the elected body are approving the budgets year to year and we are the ones that uh, are trying to be uh, as, as uh, prudent and proactive as possible to make sure we don't have any hiccups down the road, this is one that we just can't kick the can down the road and, and, and ignore. Uh, so we knew this was coming down the pike. So we, we as a council body, uh, you know, can set the policy for our staff um, to, to uh, we knew this was coming. We wanted to make sure eventually we needed to get to this level. And that's, that's where we did a lot with staff, did a lot of research and, and check kind of what, what it was like, the environment was like around the surrounding communities. And we realized that we were behind. Uh, and, there, and this is a very competitive environment. Um, you know, not only are we lacking certain police officers, we, we need to hire a few more, but uh, then the ones we do have are being recruited in other jurisdictions because they're paying higher wages. So in order for us to compete and continue with keep up with the growth, the high fast growth we're having in our community, you know, we this is public safety. This is a key, key point for us to continue this growth. Uh, Jason's on mute. He messed this whole oh. thing up. I did. I messed the whole thing up. So you bring up a really interesting point uh, about uh, competitive wages for our first responders. Uh, in the city. And I think as of, and, and so we're going to roll this into a slightly different take on that in terms of like what those people experience in sort of the, in the overall environment in Lee Summit. So right now, a starting salary, and even if the improved starting salaries that we're dealing with, a, a starting firefighter would have a very difficult time affording to purchase an average home in the city of Lee Summit. Um, right now, just just pure home sale value divided by X, you know, doing those sorts of calculations, which I'm sure you've done many times. Um, what is uh, what is what do you th what I guess what have you done or what do, would you like the council to do to help address that issue? We're we're creating a we're we're trying to do better by our firefighters, but it is difficult for them to live to like to enter the community if they're not already here. That's an excellent question, Jason. I mean, 
I guess there's a there's a proper term that's used uh, uh, in the market called workforce housing, um, and that's a problem obviously across the country and in other parts of this area. But we summit is right there with everyone. We 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 have to find ways. You know, when the average starting or average construction price of a new home is over three hundred thousand dollars, you know, whether it's a firefighter, a police officer, or a new teacher. I have a daughter that's coming into the workforce this fall. Um, she can't afford a three hundred thirty thousand dollar new house. I mean, um, none, none, none of us here yeah. can do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So absolutely, we we have to be more intentional as a as a, an elected body to work with our staff to come up with better policies that allow for smaller lot homes for for single family homes, for example, to be built. Um, if if that is a choice for a new home for for people um, in our older parts of town, we have infrastructure issues that need to be addressed so that we can do more infill homes, you know, homes to be built. Um, so we, we have some challenges, no doubt. And in order to retain good workforce, we have to have affordable homes for, for them to purchase. Is that more of an, you, you just talked about infrastructure and policy. So my, my, uh, what I'm curious about here is, is your role, is the role of, of the council in this more on the policy side, or is it about, is it about encouraging a different kind of development? Or level of I think, development. I think both, Nick. I mean, I, I obviously we we do set policy as a as a as an elected body. Uh, we work with staff for them for the implementation of these policies. However, as elected representatives, you know, for example, myself and the mayor, we we do have a commercial real estate background or a real estate background in general, um, and not just us, but all of us can advocate within the real estate development community to come. In and, and take a chance on Lee Summit. We have a great workforce. We need more diverse level priced homes. Um, so yes, we can be cheerleaders for that effort. I, absolutely. I want we have a recent example of this of this conversation. There in the last okay, sorry. COVID ruined perspective of time. So I'm gonna be off in my, <laughs> in just, my say, just say in the past. It's in fine. the past, in the recent during your term, during your term, sure. there was a development and uh the the rhetoric around it used the quote unquote term affordable housing, which let's not get into that right now because Jason and I will take it way too long. Um, but this was a this was a development, and they were thinking the homes would be around two hundred eighty thousand dollars. That development was nixed at the council level. So, what is the conversation that needs to be having to make developments like that get through the process? As I said a few minutes ago, we we have to advocate and be more intentional. And uh, I supported that project for the record. So uh, I, I think we do need to advocate for for this type of of, of home construction. Uh, and, and it comes down to just having making the lot more affordable. That's a key price of the house price. Um, if it's new new developments, new construction um, for redevelopment, obviously there's different set of parameters, but. Um, yeah, absolutely. We need to keep promoting that. And as, as a, and as an elected body, we, as I said a second ago, we need to continue to encourage developers to come in and bring that product into our city. Um, and, you know, we'll work along with them to make sure we have the right policies in place. Okay. So let me, let me flip that over then to the other sort of piece of this, not only changing some of our single family or those kinds of construction, but multifamily housing. Uh, obviously, that's something that we've had a significant growth in uh, in the last several years on the heels of the 2017 study, which Nick and I have talked about ad infinitum um, at this point. Uh, but on the heels of that, the council has approved a number of projects, some 
uh, with some incentives or part of projects that include incentives, depending on how you want to define that um, and all that. Do you do you feel like the council is got their policy on those sorts of projects and processes like in the right spot? Do you think there needs to be maybe more, less? How do you feel about where the, the multifamily process is for Lee Summit? That, that's that's the million dollar question that, uh, especially right now during this election period, I think you get asked almost every day. And I think all of our neighbors all over the entire city, whether it's third district or anywhere else, south, east, further, further west, um, you know, we tend to see to have a knee jerk reaction and say no more apartments. Uh, I, I don't have I guarantee you no one on the council sits there and masterminds. We need more apartments. Um, it's it's the market that's dictating this in some cases. Um, and so we have to have a good balance of multifamily. Multifamily involves many different products. Uh, it's not just, you know, uh, you know, multiple unit type apartment complexes or, you know, duplexes, fourplexes. Those are all different kinds of multifamily. Um, so we need to have a good mix. Um, if we want to attract more jobs, more, more companies to bring in more jobs, to a certain extent, you have to have some kind of density you know, diverse priced homes, whether it's rental or purchase for these new this labor force that we want to move into Lee Summit. So it, it's a dicey kind of uh, response, but we need a good mixture of it. Um, and then as far as incentives for multifamily, I don't advocate for incentives for multifamily. The few that we have approved within the last year or two um, have strictly been for the material. They've been chapter 100 leasehold improvement bonds. Um, they've not been uh, for, for incentives to put money back into the developers' pockets. Uh, it's been for infrastructure to build roads. Um, and so there's a right way and a wrong way to use incentives. And I think we've used them very uh, responsibly the last couple of years. A lot of this uh, this conversation that we've had, and I think even a lot of the, the answers, the responses you gave during, to our candidate survey has centered around workforce and the workforce, growing the workforce uh, portion of our community. So we've talked a lot about the housing aspect of, of that, but what are the other pieces? What are the, maybe the pieces that, that are missing that you as a council member could help change so that we could increase that workforce? Yeah, absolutely. Workforce is very critical. So we, you know, the, the great thing that uh, we, we, those of us that are up for re-election currently right now, that we take a lot of pride in is we were involved during a time in, in our city where uh, multiple uh, strategic planning processes took place. You know, we had the Ignite strategic plan itself. We had uh, the planning commission, you know, was involved in a comprehensive land use plan. Uh, we had an airport plan. Um, and, and then along with those three that, that were city initiated, you had this uh, PRI land, the, the Community of Christ property, the Mormon land, uh, over 4,000 acres within our city that also conducted their own plan. So in order for us to keep proceeding moving forward, it, it's, it's more organized, more, more uh, structured, uh, more co better coordinated development going into the future. Um, and so re regarding workforce, if we're gonna bring more jobs, we have to be strategic of the type of jobs that we bring, whether it's, it's tech, you know, distribution, warehousing, and we don't want just the lowest paying jobs just for job sake. So it's a combination of all this, but we're at an excellent position right now to attract new uh, employers. Uh, and we're doing that literally as we speak right now. 
there has been a lot of talk over the last several years about bringing in office development, bringing in industrial development, warehouse stuff. Can't how do how do we how do you as a city I guess how do you make that happen if you are if you are reelected to council how do you help get that kind of development that you're talking about and then you know finding the, those things that will come in is that is that your role or do you or is it more of a role you're supporting with somebody else? Well, I, I don't think the council can do it by itself. I absolutely not. I think it has to be a collaborative effort, um, and I think that's one thing that I've advocated for specifically. This is a forum. People want to know about me personally, right? So with my background in real estate, uh, I've been a, one of the strongest advocates, along with the mayor, uh, about b- building better better relationships with our EDC, uh, with our chamber, with our universities that, that are training a lot of this workforce. Uh, we have awesome resources here that we're just not promoting very well, or we haven't had in the past. Um, but it's, it's much more intentional now. We're better coordinated than we were four years ago. And, and so absolutely, I think going forward, uh, we have a unique opportunity with these development sites and the plans in place that we can be super strategic. And I, I assure you that four years later, the environment is, is a more welcoming environment to development. Not that we're open free for all in incentives, but that as, as a community, we will, we will find a way to build whatever they need to build, whether it's spec, office, warehouse, whatever, if they want to do business in Lee Summit. So feel really good about that. We've seen a few things sputter. A few things have trouble. Most notably, I think over by 50 and, and, and 291, there was supposed to be some industrial development. It was a little bit controversial what happened with that land and how it went back and forth. What happened there? Why, why, why are we not seeing some of these projects happen? So for the record, that, that occurred before I got into, into the elected role. Um, and so that, that's, Can't that's blame Beto. Don't do it. Don't blame Beto. That, that, that's a fact. Uh, you all can check the, check the calendar there. Oh, I know. Um, We've been so, around long enough that we get all that blended together. Yeah. So it's okay. However, however, you're all asking me about me and my role. Um, and it wasn't just myself, obviously, but at, collectively as, a, as an elected body. And again, I, I throw the mayor's leadership in there. We made a horrible situation there. Uh, there was, I won't get into the details, into the weeds, but it was the wrong developer. Uh, the developer was an inexperienced developer. It was an out-of-town investor involved. Uh, they truly did not have a plan. And so whoever they, they sold their, pitched their idea to as current, the, the previous council and city administration, um, it, it just wasn't a well-thought-out plan and it was, it was doomed to fail. And so since then, what we've done is we've we've gotten out of that problem. Uh, we 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 as a city uh, legally protected the taxpayers and made sure that when it was sold off, that whatever uh, funds and and resources the city had tied into that property, we got our money back. So our taxpayers are protected with that property. Now there is a new developer that's come in, and they do have a plan, and they're an experienced developer. That's the big difference. Is that as a council we can and should uh, recommend and, and encourage our, our, our staff, development staff, to, to talk to legitimate, experienced, real developers uh, and not wannabe developers. And that's the biggest difference between four years ago and now, which I'm very proud of. Um, I've advocated strongly for this, you know, this type of business model. So, so that's the, hopefully that answers your question. It does, and I think it leads us now to our last and most important question that we have. 
like Beto, you've been you've been around. You know that we as a podcast have a strong and very important advocacy for the supremacy of tacos over the uh, over the measly measly mediocre portions of hamburgers. <laughs> pedestrian, pedestrian, pedestrian. Uh, they, they have sure. a ceiling. They're fine. They're good. Sure. But sure. you know, we 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 we, have we stand the victory. We stand tacos, and I think we have I'm established over the last number of years that tacos are superior. So we're not asking the question that we have asked for so long to our candidates this year about who, which is better tacos or burgers. No, no. We are asking. There's no reason to ask that question. There's no reason. That question is now mooted out. It's done. And you already told us the right answer to begin with. So we're going to ask you a follow-up question, perhaps a more important, and we will again, be judging you specifically on this question, perhaps this question only from our conversation tonight. Where in Lee Summit, can Beto Lopez find the best tacos? Oh, gosh. You're going to get me in trouble. No, no, no. There's not trouble because, look, there are many, many good tacos. And we've had people take cop-out answers, and we have had a person advocate for the taco deliciousness of Taco Bell. So <laughs> I'm going to say you can't go wrong by having a favorite that you oh, particularly gosh. enjoy. Well, I'll tell you what. You all know that I was involved in commercial real estate for a long time, and I had – I, probably 50% of my clients were Mexican restaurant owners. So, uh, so you're going to get me in trouble, but my favorite, my favorite by far is La Puente. Um, they, they have multiple locations within our city. Uh, uh, they, they've been very engaged. Uh, they actually care very much about our community. So, um, but they have the best tacos. How about that? <laughs> That's no fair. You know, I think, it, I think it's fair. I, I, I just also want to know for the record, the politician in his answer, gave one where there's a location in his district. It was well done. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, I, I have two. Politicians, you, you covered all of your bases as a politician. Yeah. There. Po- politicians are going to politicians. So I think that's yeah. fair. And honestly, look, as a secret, that's You're not wrong. definitely one of Mrs. Parker's. Uh, yes, that's oh, favorite. There you go. Sweet. That's well. sweet. So you, that's are, you are advocating close to home for Nick. That's funny. Well, thank you guys. That's That's awesome. Hopefully nobody else heard. The other restaurant owners didn't hear this. It's okay. It doesn't mean the others are bad. This is just your favorite right personal, now. It's a snapshot of time that's de- right. designed to lose you votes. It probably helps if they have uh, another beverage and you can, uh, you know, help with the taco, digest the taco. Always, that's absolutely, always, always, a, always a good decision. Yeah. Beto yeah. Lopez, thank you so much for, for joining us tonight, also for your service as an elected official, and then for throwing your hat in the ring to run for a second term, as we tell everybody uh, – Look, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort and a lot of time to run for office. I think you can probably attest to this, having having done already a single term, that it's uh, it's not what you expect once you get there. It's a little bit different. Jason, also, I was told it was one extra night, other one extra night from planning commission. They lied to you. They <laughs> that lied was a lie. You. They, so, <laughs> you were suckered. I, I don't know who they were, but they they all lied. <laughs> they lied to you. Well, thank you again for uh, for for your time tonight. I appreciate it. I'm a big fan of when it comes to these things. Decisions are made by those that show up. So thank you very much for showing up. As we say to every candidate, good luck in the upcoming election. That will wrap us up for this episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. We'll talk to everybody next time. <laughs>